0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money & Investing show. This week we are looking at creating opportunities within turmoil. There's no question about it, the stock market and world economies have been turned on their head with events over the last few weeks. We're gonna run through some copybook plays that will help you tilt the odds back in your favor and maybe to bank some profit, and most importantly, have a game plan going forward. See you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money & Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Good to be back, Mr. Baxter. Thank you for having me on the
1: show. Today, we're going to talk about opportunity, as we love in markets, amidst what has been a tumultuous situation, geopolitics, Ukraine, Russia, and everything else in between.
0: Mm. Let's talk about how to trade it. It certainly has. And, you know, these events, when they come along, you know, turn markets on their head. One of the things that we talked about when we did our outlook at the start of the year was that, you know, we suspected 2022 would be a, a very different type of trading year than what we've seen over the previous couple. You know, not a trending market, but certainly a more volatile and choppy market. And that's exactly what we've been served up
1: i know i'm testing your old age here but diving into things podcast number seven of 2022 we spoke about the plays that we anticipated. If you say uh, so. If you say so. <laughs> the plays at which we anticipated undertaking over the medium term. Um, can you give us a, a rundown on what we spoke of back then?
0: Yeah, like, I mean, the one we were talking about particularly was in the energy space. Uh, and interestingly enough, when we talked of that, um, it was about the lack of investment, amongst other things, the greenification in the economy um, and the oil prices we expected to have a run on it. And one of the points that I went to length to mention was that that was excluding geopolitics, uh, you know, at geopolitics politics into that mix, which you know, very obviously we've seen with the uh, with the attack on the Ukraine from Russia, um, you know, then things would go sky high. And that's exactly what we've seen. Uh, and it's not a let's get the kazoo out and do a lap of honour and beat our chest. The reality is um, there are certain playbooks that you can set your standout for uh, to capitalise within markets. And, and that's really where high-level trading kicks in, which is what we do.
1: You have to trade your view. And back then we had a view, we traded it, and it's been quite fruitful for our clients well, thus look, far.
0: Look at US oil as an example of that, or both for them have added, you know, a good 25%, 30% profit already and running, and there's certainly plenty more in those two.
1: Totally. Now, for anyone listening to this, before you go any further, go and listen to podcast number seven if you mm-hmm. haven't already because that'll provide some nice context as we chat here. Can we talk about now, A.B., you talk about adding geopolitics into the mix, just a brief rundown for our listeners on mm-hmm. what's been going on geopolitically.
0: Yeah, obviously, you know, unless you've been living under a rock or in my case you've been flooded, in which case you've had no uh, no internet or news coverage, you um, the, the Russia has obviously invaded Ukraine, not our area to comment on that in, in any level of depth. Uh, what our view is being in the money space is how do you capitalize on that? And I appreciate that may sound you know, a little insensitive. Our job is to help our clients best serve uh, their portfolios and investments to be able to profit from markets. And uh, and you know if you're someone that manages your own super or you, you've had shares, you've probably had a pretty good run over the last couple of years. And let's face it, you, know, you, you couldn't really fail to make money over the last couple of years in the stock market. Everything's been a a bottom left, top right chart. But in these times of uncertainty, you can't just simply rely on going along with the flow. Uh, and I think a lot of investors, I think it's called an Amora fish, you know, there's a little fish that swims uh, in the shadow of the big fish just eating all the parasites off it. You know, you see a shark and it's got this little fish nibbling around the gills. Yeah, most retail investors have been able to sort of piggyback, if you will, on the institutional money that's flowed around and been able to make really, really good returns. Now we're in a very choppy market and choppy yeah, you know, predominantly now because of you know the uncertainty uh, with the world, you know, you've got Russia being a superpower, which also happens to possess more nuclear warheads than any other country on the planet. Um, you know, flexing its military muscle uh, and uh, and invading the Ukraine. Um, that's really sort of. Uh, Upset the apple cart, so to speak. As far as markets are concerned, we saw volatility. The VIX index, another trade that we talked about in in that particular podcast, podcast seven, series three, um, to to profit from, and that's been another very very lucrative trade. You know, that's probably closer to you know 60 percent profit for our clients uh, in that kind of position. The volatility index has gone up through the roof uh, as as a reflection of the uncertainty in markets, and this kind of uncertainty for <clears throat> A traditional buy and hold investor is a nightmare because the gains of the previous year have been given back in in, in to, to, to some extent you know think about Macquarie Bank as an example you know sort of from what two hundred and four two hundred five dollars to 176 uh, and counting you know and, and and so that that profit that you've made has been given away because we've held onto a position when in actual fact the shape of the market dictated a different approach. And I think this is something that really drives us as an organization is to make sure our clients are equipped with different types of strategies for different market conditions. This is not a trending market. There's huge uncertainty as to where the world's going to be in six months time, three months time, one month's time, one week's time for that matter. And so persisting with the buy and hold strategy in these conditions, um, really financially is not going to be particularly lucrative for you. And instead you've got to set yourself out to either protect yourself from the risks of those markets. And once you've protected yourself from that downside, then look to engage strategies that are likely to be pretty profitable through there. Uh, And I hope people have bought insurance or put in protection or hedged off uh, some of their portfolio, so they've been able to maintain the values of their portfolio and their their, their retirement potential uh, lifestyle. It's like playing golf. I'm not much of
1: a golfer, but I do know you need a different club for different shots where you are on the course and markets are
0: much the same, right? Let me tell you, I'm a terrible golfer. I think the last time I hit two good balls was when I stood on a rake, but that's a that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. You know, you've got to have that flexibility within uh, your arsenal. And I think we're moving into a market where understanding the impact of geopolitics, in particular, and, and this then leads into, of course, fundamentals, is absolutely crucial. Now, I'm not talking about fundamentals in terms of PEs and whether a market's value overvalued, those sorts of things. It's understanding when certain events happen, which asset classes tend to do particularly well. Uh, a good example in. Uncertainty or inflationary times is that we expect gold to rally, um, and we've got trades running on GLD at the moment, which have been very lucrative. Um, the reasoning this time why gold's behaved in a different way. We talked about you know crypto, for example, being. Um, an, an offset, if you will, or a replacement for for investing in gold. Yet, with the attacks on the Ukraine, what that's done is really knocked the guts out of the crypto market, given it's one of the world's biggest crypto mining environments. As indeed is, of course, Russia. Uh, and crypto hasn't necessarily performed in the same way. But people have then moved into gold as their hedge, um, and and we've seen great returns there. So that's what's been the catalyst for gold to kick in when it has. Uh, we talked about energy prices, as we alluded to in, in 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 episode seven, series three, um, that you know. Given even the quantum of energy that comes out of the uh, out of Russia and out of the Ukraine, uh, any disruption to supply or sanctions or anything like that is going to send commodity prices for oil and energy in particular through the roof, and that's exactly what we've seen. You know, if you take coal as an example, um, you know, Australia we're very blessed. Um, I guess it's a poison chalice from an environmental perspective. Again, it's it's something we've talk, talked to you know, quite extensively. But we produce the world's best thermal coal. And so demand for that has gone up, uh, given the fact that markets that typically are competitors, the Ukraine and Russia, are now temporarily off limits. And to give you an idea of just how big that move has been, um, you know, two years ago, the shipping costs, and I've always taken interest in Newcastle, we've run some great events down there over the years, You're either out in Williamstown or in town in the city there. And, and you see the coal boats going out uh, overnight, you know, two, three of them a day. Um, two years ago, coal was $40 a tonne friday newcastle coal 400 a ton a tenfold increase in two years uh, a, 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 and and a large chunk of that 40 percent of that just on friday alone so you know the, the upset of the apple car that geopolitics has had a massive and immediate impact on on demand for uh, our energy uh, and our, our carbon products particularly
1: natural gas also too a, a big component of that from my understanding a lot of natural gas is produced in in russia and runs through ukraine to germany right but the nord stream two. Pipeline, I believe, is what it's Goodness called. Has me. been I'd, cut love to, off. I'd love to see you draw that on the map. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Geography not my skill set. Well,
0: let, let's take that as an example, and let's actually talk about Poland, which is, of course, one of the countries that that border onto the Ukraine. Um, you know, Poland has tried to approach, uh, you know, like everybody, the, the reduction of carbon emissions, but its coal-fired power stations aren't able to meet its baseline uh, requirements for power. It can't handle um, the amount of power it needs. And obviously, you know, since Poland has become more ingrained with Europe, there's been huge expansion in that country. And so they do require massive amounts of natural gas from Russia, uh, specifically in order to meet that energy gap between what they need and what they can actually produce under their own uh, under their own devices using coal. Now, of course, Russia is holding all the cards insofar as it's got the pipelines going in and it's got the natural resource there. Uh, and Europe at the moment is sort of scattering around, there are trade embargoes and different measures that are being taken to, I guess, express the contempt from the West for what's gone on. Um, But you'll be very careful you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here, because there is a demand and there is a need, and a need that can't really be met from anybody else, certainly close by, for that source of energy. So, you know, whilst sanctions are going to be interesting to see how they perform, my guess would be as you start to get round towards uh, the northern hemisphere winter again in a good six months time uh, and Russia's holding the cards that it is saying well if you want to have a warm winter you better start relaxing some of these sanctions and I'd suggest that that's uh, that's probably the strategy they're playing.
1: Fluid situation to say the least. Mm. Now we talk about opportunity AB so moving forward as a change of pace here Mm. what do you see over the medium term as the opportunity in markets? We talk about fundamentals and strategy selection if you had to marry those
0: two up what are you looking at doing? So that's a great question. Um, and I think, yeah, we've talked about energy and I think the next thing we have to talk about is particularly the foods uh, and, and, and the grains complex. You know, and over the years, yeah, we've done massive, massive amounts of futures trading and training in the futures trading space as an organization. And I remember yeah, way back, well, probably 17, 18 years ago, prior to the previous commodities super cycle, which I think we're just starting on another one, um, Yeah, that was the mainstay of our business. And, and, and the grains aren't an exciting area that people typically look at. And what I mean by the grains, soybeans, wheat and corn being the mainstays in that area. Wheat, uh, especially given its use in the food production chain, uh, is is absolutely critical. Corn, interestingly, most corn is made for ethanol. It's actually used for other animal feed, or it's actually used for biofuel rather there than in, in the food chain. Um, but wheat is a slightly different um, proposition. And, and, and the Ukraine and Russia, I think, uh, are number two and three in terms of the world producers of wheat. So if you have economic sanctions against one, being Russia, uh, and in the case of the Ukraine, this is really the time that farmers in the Ukraine ought to be par- planting uh, their crop for the next harvest. You have know, a pretty tough uh, proposition to say, look, get out in your tractor and plant some uh, plant some wheat. Don't worry about the shelling and the missiles landing around you, get on with it. You know, So there's a very, very good chance that they're going to miss that window for planting. And when it comes to the plant harvest cycle within commodities, grains in particular, once you've missed that window that's it for the year yeah there's other things you can plant but it's not going to be wheat might be barley, winter, you know, there's other stuff that you can plant, but they're going to miss this particular window, which then creates a shortage of a commodity that's massively in need, um, you know, it, within the within the, the food production cycle. We're already seeing food prices move higher, and that's the sort of thing that can really kick it along further. So in terms of a trade opportunity with that, I'd be looking at trading in the wheat space in particular. In fact, I'm already looking at that. We're actually doing that right now, um, whether that be through an exchange traded fund, which trades a, a basket of different things within the wheat space, or whether it's getting you know, exposure to that underlying commodity through the futures or using CFDs to get exposure to futures, matter for you as to which path you take. Like the idea of an ETF, it's just a, a, a no-brainer, nice and easy one-clicky done, um, and, uh, and getting some exposure to that. And I think you're going to see that that's going to be a, a pretty strong performer as that supply is constrained uh, both by you know, the lack of ability to harvest it, because so it's not been planted, and the sanctions into Russia.
1: It's a great point and it's basic economics. Supply constrained, demand strong, drives prices up. And you know, from the tenor of that conversation, A B, correct me if I'm wrong, it's gotta come down to fundamental analysis.
0: Yeah, you don't see that in the chart. Um, you know, I mean, you're going to see if you look at a chart on wheat, you're going to see on balance volume increasing. You're going to see it grinding higher, maybe a bit of a breakout. which You're going to see all of those things, but it's understanding the reason why and and, and why this is the start of it rather than oh, it's already had a little bit of a pop. It must be done um, as the world demands the insatiable ap- the insatiable appetite we have for food uh, and the need for, for for grains to go in there. Wheat is a prime candidate, and you've got your market two and three. Um, pretty much um, taken out of the equation, uh, both by sanctions and, of course, by, you know, by conflict. So, yeah, that's a, a terrific example of an opportunity that's presented itself within there for people to better a profit.
1: Anything else that you see, is there any more value left in oil, do you think,
0: the current situation? Look, I think as the economy continues to open up post COVID, um, you know, looking at flights and travel in general and, and and energy production, I don't think we're tapped out as far as oil is concerned. And again, if there are sanctions against Russia, and I think a lot of people that are talking about sanctions, are trying to avoid including energy in that, just to avoid getting caught up in the in the points that we've alluded to uh, a few moments ago. I do think oil's got more left in it, um, like and and potentially considerably more left in it. Um, for For a number of reasons,, uh, one is a constraint on supply. Number two is the expansion of the economy. And if you've got more demand and slower supply, you're going to see prices move north. Um, you're also going to see various constraints in the energy generation space where you need to look at substitutes, for example. So if you can't get natural gas, what's your alternate? Is it an oil-fired f- power station? Is it coal? Uh, if it's coal, that's very good for our market. Here in Australia, You know the Chinese are coming around to having to buy Australian coal as they also, I guess, can't be seen to be cozying up too closely to Russia uh, under the current sort of political uh, circumstance, which again creates a further driver for demand out of the Russian market and into the sort of Western global market. So yeah, I think there's you know, there's good scope for oil to go further too. And I'd say we've got traps well set on that. We've got clients in great profit, and long may that continue. The the downside to all of this, as always, is that you know, perhaps you know from time to time you get people that perhaps are a little cynical uh, checking in and having a listen and, oh, you guys talk about you know, is exploiting people. We're not exploiting people. What we're trying to do is help our, our clients, uh, people we've got a duty of care to, to be able to um, protect uh, and create wealth for themselves and their families. Um, and, and the higher energy prices in particular is going to affect it your everyday person very heavily. You go to the bowser, you know, I couldn't fill up, I've just been um, obviously in the Northern Rivers where there's a limit on what fuel you can buy, $2.10 a litre at the moment and rising. Um, And so, you know, that's something which is a huge punitive tax on everyday people because it's such a huge fixed cost every week filling the car up with fuel. Uh, And so, you know, that's another inflationary pressure in the Australian economy, likely to see rates rise on the back of it, but it's also something that's got to come out of people's hip pockets. So there's a lot of pain with this. And we're not profiting from that pain, we're just simply trading the price moves there. And I wish more people could learn the skills to say, okay, um, let's say you've got, you know, millions of dollars to do this, you've got $10,000 sitting around, a 10 grand investment in something like USO if it goes up as it has already 30% that's just made you $3,000 that's going to take an awful lot of sting out of that extra price rise at the Bowser I must admit I'm quite happy going to the Bowser at the moment because whilst it's pain on filling up it's very profitable on the other side of the equation and I've got a decent lick uh, in USO as our clients have uh, profiting from that so you know you can be a victim of this or you can be a victor it's just a question of which lens you choose to look through Uh, and, and it is going to get very painful in my heart uh, uh, goes out to those people. That's why we put this material out in the, in the free-to-air space so that people can go, oh, there is something I can do to protect myself and my family from higher energy costs. Uh, it's going to be a very, very real, uh, real issue. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think um, there's definitely more upside uh, in, in, in energy prices, not just oil, but across the energy complex.
1: Great advice, AB, and, and awesome analysis as well. You make it sound so simple as always, but for anyone listening to this
0: going, how do I get to that level? What's your final piece of advice? Reach out. We'd love to have a conversation. This stuff is all teachable and it's also learnable. You just got to be open to accepting that there are ways that you can protect yourself uh, to be able to profit through this. And just because perhaps you may have had some success if you're already an investor over the last few years, um, things have shifted dramatically and you're going to want to have a significantly higher skill set to be able to really capitalize on this and avoid the volatility that's this broader market. So you need to be very, very selective in where you're lining yourself. Up, have great risk management in there as well, and have a very clear view. Um, unfortunately, this is 30 years in this game now, so it's it's not my first rodeo where I've seen conflict uh, and what that's done to energy prices. You know, the best example of which would have been um, the Gulf War uh, One and Two, uh, which were copybook plays for making sure you got exposure to oil because the price went up through the roof. And uh, this is just another example of that. So. Success leaves clues, history leaves clues, and if you've got a game plan that's based on what's happened in the past and how things operate, how they're all connected up, then with some level of confidence, you can then expose your money to those opportunities and and obviously profit.
1: Opportunities within turmoil, there's certainly plenty of them, maybe. Thanks very much for your time today.
0: Always a pleasure, thanks Mitch. There you have it guys, make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.